Welcome, welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. To prepare for our Big Book Study, let's get focused by having a three-minute moment of silent meditation followed by the fog light prayer. Good evening, everybody. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mike Chase. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Chris. Hey, Chris. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to start the meditation in a few moments. So take a moment to get situated, get comfortable, get uncomfortable, actually. Spread out a little bit. Get ready to sit in place for a while. Please turn off all devices that make noise or will distract others for the duration of the meeting. Coffee area is going to be closed for this portion of the meeting. Let's leave it open. Okay, it's open just for tonight. Yes. Um, Okay. Also, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. Do we have any suggestions for this here meditation? Um, Breathe in through your nose. So... Let it just sit in your lungs for a moment or two, and then let it all the. I like to imagine that I'm sort of fiddling with a candle flame, you know. And uh, try it. So take this time to get reconnected to God and let the craziness of that day drift away. Ask God to help you stay focused on the step study. So when the monks come in, we'll turn down the lights, and as we like to say, enjoy your time with God. I'll see you guys in three minutes, and try to stay focused on the meditation as long as you can. Thanks. It's a light switch next, so there you go.
we'll start off with the fog-like prayer. If you don't know it, just try to listen along and repeat after us. God, God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. We're going to start off with our secretary's report, and that's Miss Tanisha. Hello. Good evening, everyone. My name is Tanisha, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hey, Tanisha. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I've asked Kenny to read the recovery statement. Who's that? Kenny. Hi, Kenny. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Hi, Kenny, addict and alcoholic. Hey, Kenny. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured, that presents conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we'd be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergenic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Kenny. 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time. And neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Right here to my right, (laughs) we have CDs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. Um, Another memo is, if you're like me and you only carry plastic, um, we also accept Zelle, Venmo, um, and what else? I think that square thing. The square, yeah, that swipey thing. Swipey thing? Yeah, we can swipe. We can swipe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can we don't have to manually card. punch in. Okay. All right. <laughs> we meet every Monday promptly at 7.15. But some of us show up at 5.30 and help beautify the room to our liking. And... Um, some of us show up at 6.30 for fellowship. That's awesome. Um, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery tune. See you next week. Thank you, Tanisha. <laughs> From the forward to the first edition of Alcoholics Anonymous, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book, and of this group. From their solution, also from the Big Book, a tremendous fact for each and every one of us if we discovered a common solution 
We have a way out which we can absolutely agree and which enjoy in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news the book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting, and as such, all who have an interest in alcoholism and our program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open meeting, you need not identify yourself nor your reason for being here if you do not wish to do so. Your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect ours. And on the anonymity, we podcast this meeting, which means we record it and then edit out mistakes, last names and stuff. But we do put it on the Internet after, hopefully later tonight. So if you don't want your voice on the Internet, just pass the mic to the person next to you or do a good job of disguising your voice, I guess. Okay. Can we have a show of hands of people joining us for the first time? Never been here before. Raise your hands. Welcome. Where's your, what's your name? Where are you from? In the back. Nice to have Phoenix. Cool. And you all too? First time at this meeting. I'm Karen. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Karen. Karen. Okay. Thank you. Somebody back here? Good. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you guys for here. <laughs> we have a show of hands of recovered alcoholics. If your hand's not up, I suggest you talk to the folks whose hands are. That's why they're here, actually, to help you get through the steps to get to God so you can start helping others and have a life. That's really good. You don't have to wake up and detox. Maybe. No more detox. Boom. Beautiful. While this is an open meeting, membership in this group is limited to those who wish to recover from alcoholism and have a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. Did anybody get by the welcoming committee and not have a book? In, who doesn't have a book in front of you right now? Raise your hand. We'll get you a book. Good, we'll pass that up. Great. Before we begin our study of the big book, last week we reviewed Tradition 6, and our traditionist is not here tonight, so we'll be picking up on Tradition 7 next week. So definitely come back next week if you want to pick up on Tradition 7. That's a good one. Hide your wallets. In order for us to stay focused as we study the big book, we use the big book study guide, which was prepared by Krusty Cliff of the Dallas Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group, with a lot of help from Joe and Charlie, by the way. Who do we got reading for us tonight? We got Tanner tonight. Tanner's going to be our reader tonight. So if you want to come up and grab a seat there, sir, bring a book. Tanner. Where are we we beginning tonight? Uh, We're on Bill's story. Page one of the big book. After this page is read, we're going to ask questions from the podium, starting from the top of page one. Okay. Yeah. And... Answers will be one it. sentence, unless otherwise specified, and multi-part <clears throat> questions are simply a one-sentence answer split up by commas, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. Okay, so you've never been to this meeting before. Basically, what that means is that we're going to read the material once through and then re-dissect the same information a second time through the question-and-answer format. Notice how the language in the questions gives us new light in which to consider the study material. This is important because hearing the question and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material covered. After we've completed the page, we open up for comments, questions, and observations based on what was just read. If you have spiritual experiences with this information, feel free to share. And if you don't, feel free to ask questions or just talk to somebody after the meeting. However, Big Book Study is not therapy. Should you be sharing on topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different setting, like with your sponsor and privacy, please do not offend it if we cut that conversation short. For that purpose, that's why we have the fellowship meetings before and after the meetings to help us talk about things in life that's bothering us. So show up early, stick around late, get to know these people. That's part of the program is to, to be able to share and you know, help each other get through this. You can never go wrong by commenting on the page, which brings us to the comment of one of our co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, sobriety. Freedom from alcohol through the teaching and practice of the 12 steps is the sole purpose of any Alcoholics Anonymous group. So I believe this is our sixth session this time around. Oh, by the way, 
Rob's uh, little kid, Aru, has a high, high temperature, so he's staying home. They might even be rushing her to the hospital to get some aspirin or something like that. So at the end of the meeting, let's remember to have a little prayer for him and his family. He'll be here next week. I just filled in tonight, so don't worry. Thoughts and prayers with Thoughts Rob. Thoughts and prayers, absolutely, for him. Um, but like I said, six weeks ago, we started on page zero, which is the forwards and the preface. We get into that because we feel it's really important for you to have a full understanding of what you're getting into. It explains how Alcoholics Anonymous got started, some of our milestones, and some of the important information that if you're going to make this a lifelong commitment to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, you should know what you're getting into. So that leads us into another chapter that gets into why we have this fellowship. We have a chapter called The Doctor's Opinion, and this chapter actually is a description of the alcoholic's dilemma, focusing primarily on the physical allergy to alcohol and the mental obsession. That means I can't stop once I start, and I can't prevent myself from picking up the first one. And ironically, the first few pages of the doctor's opinion go in depth on what the solution is we're going to be seeking eventually. So, you know, the, the doctor's opinion sort of brings to life the problem that was talked about in the forwards and the preferences. Bill's story brings all that together. Bill's going to show us how the fellowship sort of began and what the doctor's opinion looks like. We're going to see the progression of Bill's life from just a normal, everyday kind of guy who wants to succeed, has reason to succeed, enjoys drinking. Who knows people that enjoy drinking that aren't alcoholics? You know, we all know people like that, but we're going to see the progression where he discovers the greatness of the alcohol, and then we're going to see his destruction and downfall and the solution which comes about. So we're just going to read a couple of pages tonight. We're going to, we're going to, basically with Bill tonight when it's still kind of fun and he's running on old cylinders, you know? Yeah, it's like a wine spritzer. Yeah. Now, <laughs> nowadays, Bill's story is on page one. So if you, like, skip the forwards of the doctor's opinion and the preference and you start reading Bill's story, it sounds like you've just picked up a real schnooze of a book, which we're going to find out <laughs> a little bit later. But luckily, we've read the doctor's opinion. You have an idea what the, what the disease is and what the purpose of Bill's story is to just bring that to life. So if you want to just start reading on page one, and we'll let you read oh, a couple pages and a half. Yeah. Is there an intro yes. page? There were probably Thank is. you. The blue page. The, not the blue page. Isn't it blue? Yeah, and bef so before we break in any chapter, they have a page that uh, helps bring it more to life than what I just told you about. So I bet you it just repeats a lot of stuff I just said, hopefully. So the main purpose of Bill's stories is for identification, as the other stories are in the textbook, the doctor's opinion. We learn the exact nature of alcoholism. We learn that we are powerless because of an allergic reaction the, alcohol has to, the alcoholic has to alcohol, craving that comes with the first few drinks. And the unmanageability resulting from a mind that cannot remember the allergic reaction, we start drinking again even though we sincerely promise to never do it again. In Bill's story, we will be 12th stepped by Bill W. himself. We will see the progression of the disease in his life. As we study his story, we should look for the effect of drinking on Bill that you too have experienced. We can look at what happened to him and say to ourselves, yes, that happened to me too, or no, that hasn't happened to me yet. As we study his story, ignore the differences, such as he was from Vermont, he was a stockbroker, he was in World War, etc. Look only for the similarities of experience resulting from drinking. Some of these will be noted as we progress in our study of chapter one. We will also learn how Bill found hope as the result of a visit from his longtime friend, Ebby T., who became Bill's sponsor. While in Towns Hospital, Ebby visited Bill and helped him take a series of actions of our 12 steps, which resulted in Bill having a spiritual experience. Bill tells us what his life was like after taking the action and lived 36 years without ever taking another drink. 
If we do what Bill did, we will get what Bill got. Mm. So let's get into Bill's story. Everybody, page one, just read along. Just hang on. You got it ready. I'm Tanner. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Hey, Tanner. Tanner. Chapter one, Bill's story. War fever ran high in in the New England town to which we knew. Young young officers from Plattsburgh were assigned, and we were flattered when when the first citizens took us to their homes, making us feel heroic. Here was love, applause, war, moments sublime with intervals hilarious. I was part of life at last, and in the midst of the excitement, I discovered liquor. I forgot the strong warnings and the prejudice of my people concerning drink. In time, we sailed for over there. I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. We landed in England. I visited Winchester Cathedral. Much moved, I wandered, I wandered outside. My attention was caught by a doggerel on an old tombstone. Here lies a Hampshire, Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier is near forgot whether he dieth by musket or by pot. Ominous warning, which I failed to heed. Twenty-two and a veteran of foreign wars, I went home at last. I fancied myself a leader, for had, <clears throat> for had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation? My talent for leadership, I imagined, would place me at the head of vast enterprises, which I would, which I would manage with the utmost assurance. I took a night law course and obtained employment as an as investigator for a surety company. The drive for success was on. I proved to the world I was important. My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very, very rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I, we had long talks when I would steal her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophical thought were so derived. By the time I had completed the course, I knew the law was not for me. The inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had me in its grips. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. Out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. Living modestly, my wife and I saved $1,000. It went into certain securities, then cheap and rather unpopular. I rightly imagined that they would someday have a great rise. I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and managements, but my wife and I decided to go away. I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. I discovered many more reasons later on. We gave up our positions, and off we roared on a motorcycle, the sidecar stuffed with tent, blankets, a change of clothes, and three huge volumes of a financial reference service. Our friends thought a lunacy commission should be appointed. Perhaps they were right. I had had some success at speculation, so we had a, li- we, so we had a little money, but we once worked on a farm for a month to avoid drawing on our small capital. That was the last honest manual labor on my part for many a day. We covered the whole eastern United States in a year. At the end of it, my reports to Wall Street pr- procured me a position there and the use of a large expense account. The exercise of an option brought in more money, leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars for that year. So we're going to pause right there. And we're going to do a little different than we have in the past. In the past, we've 
gone through all the questions and then asked us to open up for conversation, we're going to give the option. We're going to do paragraph by paragraph. So at the end of a paragraph, we're going to open it up if anybody has a quick you know, talk on just or a thought on the paragraph we just read. And, of course, at the end, we'll open up for conversation and thoughts also. But, you know, it's, you miss a lot of the stuff. We find that when we hold off for the questions at the end, people tend to comment on the last paragraph because that's the freshest in the mind. And uh, I've been listening to the Primary Purpose Dallas podcast. Or they don't have podcasts, but they tend to, like, pause between the paragraphs and ask if anybody's got some. So we're going to try that and see how that works out for the next couple of weeks and see if Excellent. that uh, – because we can miss a lot of stuff in a real good paragraph. So we're going to start on the first page of uh, Bill's story, the first paragraph. The way this works is I'm going to read a question from the paragraph, from the book, and the answer is going to actually be one or two sentences out of the book. And if you pay attention, you'll figure us out. Um, where was Bill when he had his first experience with alcohol? And part B, what flattered these young officers? War fever ran high in the New England town to which we knew young officers from Plattsburgh were assigned, and we were flattered when the first citizens took us to their homes, making us feel heroic. Oh. Next question was, what did he find in these homes? Here was love, applause, war, moments sublime with intervals hilarious. What was his mood? I was part of, I was part of life at last, and in the midst of the excitement, I discovered liquor. What did he forget? I forgot the strong warnings and the prejudices of my people concerning drink. What was his mood when he again returned to drinking? In time, we sell it over there. And when Bill was lonely and drank, did he do so to change the way he thought and the way he felt? I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. So does anybody have anything to share on this particular par- this particular first paragraph, such as maybe your first drink that... that- release of all the fears and self-uncomfortability that I felt. Got a hand up in the back over there. Recovered alcoholic. My name is Barry. Hey, Hey, Barry. And just uh, in this first paragraph, um, it's clear, you know, Bill went to the quick, easy solution that booze provided, and that's definitely a relatable thing. You know, not willing to endure a little bit of uncomfortability um, and seek you know, the solution at that point, it's, it was just a quick snap judgment, booze, there it is, and then you're sucked in. So, very relatable. Yeah. Ryan. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Um, I, I like the sentence where he says, here is love, applause, war, moments sublime with intervals, hilarious. Because um, it makes me think about when I first started drinking and uh, I mean, it, when I first started drinking, it, I had a lot of fun, you know what I mean, until it wasn't fun anymore. And, like, I, I can't sit there and pinpoint when the moment was where I crossed that line of, you know, not enjoying it anymore. But, you know, like, the, the part where he says I was part of life at last, like, the, I can definitely relate to that feeling. You know, like, it was that moment. And, you know, it wasn't in the midst of it that I found liquor. You know, I found liquor, and that's what got me into that feeling. But, like, I can definitely relate to, you know, the feeling of, like, I got something out of it at the beginning, you know, like, and it, it was something that, that made me feel alive, you know, it made me feel a part of. Mm. Um, and, like I said, I, I, I couldn't tell you where that ended, but it definitely ended. So, it's, it's, I might not be able to relate to Bill on, like, going to war or anything like that, but, like, the feeling, I can def I, I know what that feels like. Mm. That's all I got. 
So if we consider what's really going on in Bill's head, you know, this is a guy, he's 18, 19 years old, I guess, in that age group, and he's going off to Europe to go to World War I, where there's a good chance that most of the guys he's hanging out with aren't coming back. And he's in this town, and he's being treated like royalty that he probably doesn't even feel he deserves. This is a kid who was apparently kind of a, uh, a wiener in high school and stuff. He was, he was uncomfortable around people. He's always fighting for people's approval. He was wanting to be the captain of everything he could sign up for. He had a relationship that ended badly. Um, and he's all of a sudden thrust into this whole new thing. And he's discovered for the first time in his life this release that he's never had before. He was raised by parents who, or grandparents and whatnot who had no interest in alcohol at all. They had heard bad things about it. He had lost his father to alcoholism. His mother had left him to go to New York to become a doctor of some type. So he was raised by these grandparents who owned a bar, hotel type thing. So his whole concept of alcohol was one that you just don't do it. And all of a sudden he tastes the magic. Who, like, who remembers that first drink, that spiritual experience of like, you know, he's, he's the wallflower, right? And all of a sudden he takes that, has a couple of those things. Next thing you know, like Pat likes to talk about him dancing, you know. He's just out on the dance floor doing, you know, the, the dancing Fred Astaire type stuff. But the magic that it gave him. So with, next time he feels uncomfortable, next time he feels like he's lost, he's on the boat with a thousand other guys, a couple thousand other guys, and they're going off to war. And there's a real good chance that they're all going to, not many of them are going to come back, you know. And they're passing that bottle around. They're taking taking little pops off of it. You know, that's that's a memorable experience. You know, I remember my first drunk, and it was just, oh, I, I, I was no longer in fear. I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't scared anymore. I could be who I wanted to be, and which led to Snuggies and stuff later on. But uh, <laughs> the fact that he found the thing that made him whole, you know, that first liquid spiritual experience. Has anybody else got anything to share on this? We got one up here. Oh, hey, Tanisha. Tanisha recovered alcoholic. Um, I love this paragraph because like I remember being in sobriety and I was like, you know, I never served, but you know, I damn sure enough know what it feels like to have a celebration moment. And then I remember like almost within that moment of feeling lonely in that moment of celebration because it was it was just so weird how like I wasn't well <laughs> from the get-go, you know. And um, it's so funny how, you know, I mean, me as an alcoholic, you know, just because it's Friday, it's time to celebrate. Just because um, I'm back home from treatment. <laughs> Sorry. I made it 30 days. You know, right. <laughs> you know, I got this now. I'm sure I can drink like normal people. I'll limit myself. Or I'll just do dry goods because they never got me in trouble, you know? And, and, you know, all this rationalization that I went through. And then, you know, when no one is around, or maybe people are around, but I'm still feeling lonely. And I isolate. And I don't feel a part of because they don't understand me or they don't get me, you know? And... I go and I find other wackos like me that drink like me, that party like me. And, you know, things like that, you know, come to the conclusion where, you know, all in this one paragraph, I'm like, wow. It's like from night to day, you know, and, and, it's, and it's great. I, I resonated almost immediately. 
Um, thank you. You know, I was like Bill. I started drinking early. I, I started drinking. I was six, actually. And um, for years, I had no alcoholic drinking. I was a social drinker until I was like 11-ish. You know, no major consequences. And we're going to see in these first couple of pages in Bill's story, there's not alcoholism. There's just a normal everyday, everyday kind of guy enjoying alcohol, abusing it. But alcoholism is going to pop in a little bit later, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Hi. I'm an alcoholic. Oh, My name is Tanner. Hey, Tanner. <laughs> um, on the next page, it says that Bill's heroes were... Uh, you know, financial and business leaders. My heroes growing up were my brothers, and I, I can relate to being, like, felt feeling like I was left out and I was lonely, you know. Um, seeing them do what they were doing with their friends, you know, like seven or eight years old, uh, I wanted that. I wanted what they had, and, you know, it looked like they were having a great time, and, and when they let me join in, that was the best feeling it wasn't even the fact that it was a, it was a bit of both but mixing in with like feeling like I was like I belonged you know the feeling of kind of the acceptance that I got with it and then and then the, the high the drinking the, the on top of it it was it was outstanding and you know uh, I can even remember one time I uh, I faked I faked being uh, drunk a little bit just so, you know what I mean? Because that's what I thought I had to do, you know, just to fit in. But, uh, you know, it's something that stuck out to me that reading this, I don't know how many times that hasn't in the past. That's all I got. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. You know, I, um, yeah, I was part of life at last. I, I don't think that I took a deep breath. I had so much fear in me. I don't think I breathed until I was about 15. And then it's like, Ah, I'm a part of life at last. And I felt like that around the campfire with my cousins. And I was like, oh, this is my cousin. I love this guy. This is my family. And then, you know, about 12 beers later, I'm throwing up and, and my family's helping me out a little bit. And, uh, and, I, and I like how there's, there's an interesting kind of juxtaposition of ideas. So Bill is going overseas to fight in this war. But in the midst of this, he discovers liquor. He's like, it's almost like he's coming from America to discover this new world in England. But he's discovering. And most people grow up like drinking normally like they might have a drink with dinner and they're taught to drink responsibly and it's not like a discovery like okay yeah my dad drinks i don't remember my uncle he drinks like half a beer like every night for you know about 10 years growing up and that's all he ever drank or maybe he'll finish it once in a while and so it's not really a big discovery unless you're an alcoholic i think that's an interesting idea too men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol my mother is not an alcoholic but she remembers her first drink. My father's not an alcoholic, but he remembers his first drink, you know? Something about the spiritual release of alcohol, which is why people, you know, people other than alcoholic like drinking, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they enjoy it and stuff. So we're just going to sort of, just in these first couple of pages, try to remember back when it worked, you know, when you're running on 12 cylinders for either a year or two years or a month. You know, depending on how you drank and stuff like that. Because it's a progressional disease. Not everybody starts off as the hopeless alcoholic. It sneaks up on us. And if it didn't do something for us, why would we drink? You know, later on we're going to talk about the, the jaywalker. 
the reason we bring up the jaywalker is because the jaywalker has this real benefit from jaywalking. He gets this rush, this, this adrenaline rush of cutting through traffic. He gets, he gets payment for this. You know, otherwise, it's just, why is he doing that crazy stuff? <laughs> it was their extreme sport. And for me, the alcohol allowed me to just release and breathe, as you say. And you know, by the time I got drunk at nine, I'd already been an experienced social drinker. So that was kind of <laughs> cool. So we're going to see how this progresses. Uh, next question, next paragraph. Oh, this is read the entire paragraph. Cool. When Bill visited Winchester Cathedral, what doggerel caught his attention? Read the entire paragraph. We war, land, yeah. war fever ran high. Oh, we landed in England. Oh. We landed in England. I visited Winchester Cathedral. Much moved, I, wa- I wandered outside. My attention caught, <clears throat> was caught by a, a doggerel on an old tombstone. Here lies a Hampshire grander, grander who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A, a good soldier is near forgot whether he died from by musket or by pot. That's a great pair. So anybody got anything to share on this particular one? You know, don't forget, Bill has just landed in England with his buddies. I don't want you to call them troops or packs or whatever he's running around with. And one of the guys gets some weird disease, a flu or a cold, and they're, they're, they're in quarantine. So until they get shipped off to Germany or Italy, where they're going, where a good number of them are probably going to end up dead, they decide to make the most of it. And they're traveling around England. They happen to be in Winchester. And Winchester's got one of the most amazing cathedrals. And most of these guys are little small-town bumpkins, right? And they're in this European city. And Bill, who was not much of a religious guy at all, comes across this giant cathedral. And they say that he's walking around with his buddies, and they see this cathedral, and the guy's going, let's go and experiment it, you know? They also say that Bill saw a couple galleys, dollies, walking into a pub around the corner. So they went into the cathedral, totally in awe, and 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 a service was starting, a mass or something, so they decided to sit through it. Bill, who wasn't much of a spiritual guy, decided to go check out that you know, the pub with the dollies, they say. So he said he snuck out the side door. He's going to cut through the cemetery, hop the fence, and go to the dollies. So he's cutting through the cemetery. As soon as you leave that place, you're confronted with this giant tombstone. By the way, who knows your, you know, who has a family friend that you remember by the last name? You're like, I had the Jensen's. I, I knew the Jensen's it was, and the Hegars and people like that. So Bill comes out of this, 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 this giant cathedral and he's confronted with this tombstone that has Thatcher written across the top. His best friends growing up were the Thatcher. So he's, of course, he's, if it had been like Sniggleheimer, he probably would have walked right by it, you know? But he sees Thatcher, and he goes like, whoa! And he stops, and he reads it. Here lies a Hampshire grenadier. Bill's from the New Hampshire area. He's a soldier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier's never forgot whether you dieth by musket or by pot. Okay, whatever. Off to the dollies, you know? <laughs> it made no difference to him. When I was growing up, Mom pulled me aside when I was probably 16 with the... We know you're going to start experiencing, experimenting with alcohol. And, you know, Uncle Rudolph's an alcoholic. And, and my brother, we think he's alcoholic. So if you start drinking alcoholically, my Chase, come and talk to us about it. And we can get you help early on. It's like, like what did she just tell me? Because <laughs> to me, an alcoholic was the guy under the bridge in a trench coat with a bottle. I had no idea. It was an ominous warning. I failed to hear like. Mom, alcohol, I've been drinking for a while, and it's the only thing that's making me happy these days, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we got these warnings. We had these reasons to drink, and 
we just keep going. Anybody got anything to share? Their first this scare with the parents, anything like that? Okay, let's go to the next paragraph. How did this affect him? One sentence. Ominous warning, which I failed to heed. Next paragraph. How old was Bill at the end of the war? 22, a veteran of foreign wars. I went home at last. Two-part question. Did Bill appear to think well of himself? And part B, what gave him that idea? I fancied myself a leader, for had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation. My talent for leadership, I imagined, would place me at the head of vast enterprises, which I would manage with the utmost assurance. Were these a little grandiose two sentences? Oh, yeah, that, that was the end of the paragraph. Are we, uh, oh. we going to comment on that? Oh, was that a comment? What was down there? Uh, what was I? Were his ideas a little grandiose? No, okay, next, next paragraph. Any comments on this paragraph, by the way? He had just survived war. This guy, of course, he's on fire. He's surrounded by a bunch of guys. They got the GI Bill. They got the whole, whole, whole life. I don't see a bit of alcoholism on this page. I just see a guy who enjoys drinking and has his whole life ahead of him. You got your hand up. Somebody raised their hand. I apologize. Sorry. Yeah, again, recovered alcoholic, Barry. Hey, Barry. Barry. Real quick, um, you know, while the consequences of alcohol abuse may not have been impacting Bill at this point, he returns from the war, and that's when his ego is turned into high gear. You know, he's being recognized for his efforts, and his ego starts to drive his life. You know, he fancies himself and holds himself in very high regard. And in order to get this right and, you know, be sober for the remainder of our time, ego must die. So it's nice to, or it's a good point to acknowledge there that his ego is is activated yeah he goes home and starts a recovery rock band called the hampshire grenadiers <laughs> <laughs> you know just because you got a big ego doesn't mean you're gonna be an alcoholic you're missing that physical component i know a lot of alcohol i know a lot of alcoholics who got incredibly large egos you know bill's just high on himself which he has a right to he just survived world war one you know this is a guy who's going to go take the war. What we're, you know, you got to remember what people thought of alcoholics up to this point. We were know nothing, get nowhere, drunken losers. Doctor's opinion informs the world what alcoholism is. Breaks many stereotypes. Right? It's a physical, a physical reaction. It's an allergy. Bill's story, his idea is to break the stereotype that we're a bunch of losers and we're never going to get anywhere. How can I be successful? I have a job. I have a wife. I'm a successful businessman. Right? He's breaking all these things. So let's look for the progression. Somewhere along the line, alcoholism is going to jump out. We're going to see fun drinking, a little heavy hard drinking, some pretty heavy problem drinking, and then the dude is going to hit the fan, and we're going to be able to say, yeah, this guy's a full-blown alcoholic. Now, could he have spotted drinking problems early on and maybe stopped? Absolutely. Mm. But why if it works? I know a lot of very successful people who drink hard that aren't alcoholic, and they just live their lives normally. So let's keep an eye on this. You know, mm. This is a progression disease. And that's the important thing we're looking for. Did somebody else have something to share on that one? Let's well, see. Page two, next paragraph. Was Bill willing to pay the price to be successful? Two sentences. I took a night law course and obtained employment as an investigator for a sturdy company. 
The drive for success was on. What did he want to prove? I proved to the world I was important. What did he become interested in? My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Now, it says to skip the new sentences, which makes me want to say, let's just read the next two sentences. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? Besides law, see, there's that whole thing. Do you want to be like a boring attorney, or do you want to be rich and fun and exciting? We're going to find out that his, he, wants to, he wants to really succeed and show off. Besides law, what else did Bill study? I studied economics and business as well as law. Did his drinking interfere with his education? Two sentences. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Who, who went to college? You know, who was it, a frat? There was some pretty heavy hard drinking there, wasn't there? Rathskellers, you know? And let's not forget, back in those days, you know, you weren't really supposed to drink too much water because of the collar and whatnot. So back in those days, beer was common. Spirits were just starting to come. So in college, he's a little heavy hard drinker. But then again, people were drinking heavily back in the... Oh, does anybody remember, you know, Prohibition? You know, there was a reason we had prohibition. The entire country were drunken skunks because there was booze was safer to drink than water because of the cholera. Booze was filtered and safer to drink. So people were showing up to the factories, kind of tanked most of the time. So the federal government decided, well, we, you know, we're going to fall apart. We've got to get these people sobered up. But up until that time, most of the people were running around sort of Studebakered, which is a fancy <laughs> word for sort of drunk. So, um, oh, I love this part. What did his wife Lois think of his drinking? Note, did anyone ever fuss over you about your drinking? Though my drinking? Though my drinking was not yet as continuous. Or, <clears throat> was not, well, my, one second. <clears throat> that was it, yeah. Yes. That's, <laughs> one final, I was too drunk to think. Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks. And I would get her still foreboding by telling her that men of genius conceive their best projects while drunk. Kind of full of it, ain't he? But it kind of worked with her. <laughs> Does anybody find it sort of weird that later on, the only first mention of his love of his life is like second page? And oh, by the way, this nag, she complains about my drinking, you know? <laughs> no, it doesn't say anyone on the first page, coming back for more. Me and my wife decided, you know, it's like... She, this is probably, I think it's an anonymous warning. She sort of yeah. failed the heat. Exactly. He's living on page 62. He's got that selfishness and that self-centeredness. Mm -hmm. you know? Anybody want to share on this, how your drinking progressed in high school and college and how it used to work? Anything to throw into this particular paragraph? Okay, let's hit the next paragraph. Although we studied law, what really interested him? Two sentences. By the time I had completed the course, I knew the law was not for me. The inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had me in its grip. Who were his heroes? Business and financial leaders were my heroes. You can all sort of think about who was your heroes in early ages, you know? What, who did you want to model your life after? What did the alloy of drink and speculation do for Bill? Out of the alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut 
need to rip it. So it says, let's skip the three next sentences. So can somebody just read the next three sentences? Because we find a lot of good stuff in this stuff. Living modestly, my wife and I saved $1,000. It went into certain securities, then cheap and rather unpopular. I rightly imagined that they would someday have a great rise. So $1,000 in America's money today back in 1935, 34 is the equivalent around $36,000. How many people are like your first and second year out of college and had a bank account with that stuffed away? Is this guy a drunken loser? This guy's got his act together. This is a highly successful man. This guy, this is the drinking is not really affecting him as much. He's probably hung over and stuff like that, but he's able to put together some business deals and he's being successful, breaking the stereotype that we can't be success. We can't be alcoholic because we're successful. Mm. Um, where then the next question would be, were Bill's broker friends willing to help him? Was Bill hardheaded, strong enough and determined? I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and managements. But my wife and I decided to go anyway. What was Bill's theory? Two sentences. I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. I discovered many more reasons later on. Good. Anybody want to tackle this paragraph? Anything in there that you want to share? We got Ryan over here. Um, Ryan, alcoholic. Hey, Ryan. Um, and I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, something that just was sticking out to me was the first sentence when he says that he completed his course and then he knew the law was not for him. Uh, I've, I've never gone to law school, but I can't imagine that it's just something that you get done and you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, you know, I, I, I don't think that you would make the commitment to go to law school, which I think would be really difficult to do and complete. And then just be like, ah, it's not for me. So I don't know if this is just like early signs of him having like restless irritability and discontent. Um, but I, I don't know. That just stuck out to me. So that's all I got. The inviting maelstrom of Wall Street having a script. That Wall Street back in those days was easy, quick money. It was Bill had gave Bill the opportunity to uh, get his clients slushed up give them uh, some self-serving advice and have them sign contracts that benefited Bill? and uh, Or do you want to sit in an office and write briefs all day? Mm -hmm. He had a touch. He dealt with this a little bit earlier on at the top when he was working with companies, you know, investigating other companies. So Bill saw, saw the right in the wall. Do I want to be a boring attorney or do I want to make millions like everybody else? It talks about the alloy of drink and speculation. By the time I was 23, I had been drinking successfully-ish with parental supervision since I was six or seven, you know. And then, I, then my parents went away, and I was unsupervised. And the thing that made me, that I strived for, was to be a popular, exciting, fundamentally financially secure person. Hence, I got into bartending and selling dry goods. The thing that made me successful from 20 to 24 was the fact that I was a bartender. I did circuit bar parties. I was popular. I had a lot of stuff I was selling to people left and right. You know, I was going to all the A, you know, the, the class A parties. I was Mr. Popular. Guess what flipped and destroyed me? The fact that I had endless supply of, and I had a bartender. I found myself at home looking in the mirror often, wishing I was dead because I couldn't stop the, and I couldn't stop the drinking. The thing that made me, just like Bill, turns around to be the thing that destroyed me. 
Hey, Tanisha. Hey, Tanisha again. Recovered? Still recovered? Well, I hope so. All right. <laughs> it just pointed out to me, you know, um, so I have a liking for finance and, you know, I went to school. Yeah, did the whole stock market game and I love it. Um, but I noticed here in his story, like, when I think of law, it doesn't make money fast. Mm-hmm. And with stock markets, you buy low and you sell high. And that can happen within yeah, hours, sometimes minutes. It depends on what's controlling the market. But my point being is, just like an alcoholic, you know, we want that effect fast. And he wanted to make that money fast. How many times did someone in here want to make that money fast? Right? Thank you. That's all I have to share. Thank you. (laughs) Gee, should I continue going to college and become a cocaine-selling bartender? (laughs) Bye-bye college. And therefore, where I am today. Thank goodness. We're going to pick up. Does anyone else got anything to share on this? Let's go pop to the next paragraph then. Um, Oh, this is a good one. Imagine you got this grand idea that's going to change the world and get you rich. And everybody's just like, Bill, don't bother about it. It's no big deal. You know, everything's going great. We're doing fine. But Bill had this idea that he could change Wall Street and make a lot more money. And everybody else didn't bother because they were making enough money. How many times did we have an idea that we never followed through with? See, Bill was still in that age of like, he has an idea, and when he decides to do something, he's going to make it happen no matter what odds, which goes against the stereotype that most people have against us alcoholics as just these hopeless, washed up, no good for nothing drunks. Still trying to change the way people think about the kind of people we can be. We're trying to get to the people to relate to us. Next paragraph. Uh, Diddly do. Here we go. Did his adventure... Oh, where is this thing? Page two, bottom of page two. He gave up his position. Oh, here it is. What did he and Lois do that seemed really crazy? We gave up our positions and off we wore on a motorcycle. The sidecar stuffed with tent blankets and changed clothes. And three huge volumes of financial reference service. Remember, this guy was making money at this time. He walked away from a very good paying job to go after a dream that everybody said, Bill, you're crazy. It's not going to be amount to anything. But he followed through with his dreams. What did his friends think of their idea? Our friends thought a lunacy commission should be appointed. You know, Lois was from, the, uh, from a very wealthy, sophisticated family, and they're going to drive around the entire East Coast for a year. Bill's going to be out going to the man, going to the factories and, you know, talking to the managers, and then at night hanging out at the bars talking to the actual factory workers to find out, is this a, a viable investment? And guess where Lois is going to spend all her time? Sitting in a canvas tent on the side of the road behind some billboard. And they're like, Lois, Lois, what are you up to? You know, but this is a woman who stood by her man. Uh, skip the next three sentences. So let's read the next three sentences. Perhaps they were right. I had some success at speculation, so we had a little money, but we once worked on a farm for a month to avoid drawing on our small capital. That was the last honest manual labor on my part for many a day. 
So how long did Bill and Lois stick with the motorcycle episode? We covered the whole eastern United States in a year. That's a long time. They got all the way down to the fire, down to Tampa, too, to the west coast. They were all over the place. Uh, did their investigation of companies on the east coast prove productive? At the end of it, my reports to Wall Street procured me a position there and the use of a large expense account. How were their finances at the end of the year? The exercise of an option brought in more money, leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars. For that year. Can anyone say boom? <laughs> this guy's successful. So if anybody wants to share on everything we've read so far, just sort of tee it up a little bit before we read in another page or two, feel free. This is uh, Bill's progression of enjoying alcohol when it's still working. Everybody's got ideas of how alcohol was working for them. Feel free to share. I remember when I was in college, I, I can relate to Bill when he's saying at one of the finals he nearly failed because he was too drunk to think or write. And I remember we had, I had a Friday morning class and Thursday night, I don't know if you guys went to college in the 2000s like I did, but fr Thursday night was a drinking night. And so I actually had a Friday class and this is the last time I ever had a Friday class because I went there kind of in the midst of a, of a brownout and wrote an essay. It was a philosophy course. It was philosophy of race, class, and gender. And so I was writing essays on that, like in a, in a blackout. And I, needless to say, I failed that exam. And the professor had some words with me, but nothing serious. Hey, T. I like the part um, that says where a lunacy commission should be appointed. <laughs> You know, just for the risk that they were willing to take, you know, he was willing to follow his dreams. And I remember waking up in the hospital, chained to the bed, correctional officer welcoming me back to life, nurse saying, hey, you finally woke up. I don't know how long I was asleep or, but I remember the nurse handing me like some information about al alcoholics and addicts and, you know, how they, um, they like to take risks and follow through with their dreams and it's, and, and athletes especially too. Um, and I, I was always, you know, involved in athletics and stuff, but it was just something that was brought to my attention when I'm, like, reading how much of a risk they were willing to take. I took a lot of risk. What landed me in that hospital, because I didn't want to take every charge for every pill, I downed the whole bottle. That's the risk that I took. But there were some other risks that I took as well, you know, in my alcoholism that I didn't even think twice you know, and it was just all full of adrenaline, all, you know, wanting to be right. I'm going to prove them. I'm going to prove them, you know, and it's crazy. Thanks. I think some, I think some of the best lies have a little bit of truth in them. And when he's talking about men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. Well, like a lot of the best philosophers throughout history, they were drunks. These are alcoholics. And they wrote some really incredible things. There's even, you get, does anyone know the Monty Python song about the philosophers? It's like David Hume could outconsume, and it talks about every. Yeah. What's the dance that goes with that? There's no dance that goes with it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you could BS people by, being, by pointing out alcoholics throughout history, right? You could be like, well, this guy was an alcoholic and he was a millionaire, and I'm going to be a millionaire too, so get in my tent. And uh, yeah. <laughs>
What's Bill talking to Lois, maybe? Our friends thought a lunacy commission should be appointed. Perhaps they were right. I had some success at Wall Street, so we had a little money. This guy had a few thousand dollars stashed away, you know, mm. which was big money back in those days. Who's gone on vacation and had a budget of like $600, $1,000? And what happens when you hit that $1,000? What happens to the budget? Well, $1,500, $2,000. Mm. I had absolutely no ability to control my, you know, unlike Bill, I was alcoholically drinking at age 12, you know, phenomenon craving, boom, I'm off to the races. But we once worked on a farm for a month to avoid drawing our small capital. That means that he's driving around, he's getting drunk in the bars, Lois is riding in the sidecar, they're running around doing what they can do because Bill's a drinker and Lois is good. You know, as a matter of fact, they say that Lois did most of the driving because Bill was drunk most of the time, you know. But they realize he's getting close to his budget. So instead of me raising the budget, he put, well, they went to work on a farm for a while. They worked a whole month to build up some more cash again to continue following this dream. We can be alcoholic and be successful, intelligent, amazing people. We're going to see where that takes them in the next couple of pages, you know. Does anyone here feel like they're lucky to be an alcoholic today? Is anyone grateful for that? Yeah. Does anyone want to speak on that? Gratitude? Hi, Ryan. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan, I'm an alcoholic. No. Um, I, actually, I definitely have that feeling. Um, you know, when I first came down here, I remember having a lot of resentments towards people in my family um, because they would uh, want to discuss my drinking and drugging habits with me and. They'd be doing this, like, you know, like, I don't want to, like, put her on blast. But, for example, my mom would, like, be, like, talking to me about, like, my, my lifestyle and my drugging. And she'd be pouring herself a drink as she's telling me that I drink too much. Um, and it caused me to have a lot of resentment, you know. And, like, I'm, she wasn't the only one. It was, like, pretty much everybody in my family, that was the deal. Like, I would get, be getting yelled at as, like, they're sitting there getting wasted. And I remember coming down here and... Like, that was a really big struggle for me, and it wasn't until after a little while um, that I got, like, I got some gifts from this program. Um, I got a connection with my God that I never would have had. If I was able to just stop drinking, right, I would have just been continuing along just existing, you know? I would never have found a spiritual way of life. Um, so, yeah, I look at my life now, and I realize that, like, thank God I was an alcoholic. And that's just all God needed to do for me to get me to the point of being able to have a relationship with him, you know. Um, so, it, it, honestly, now I look at my family and, like, I don't know if this is better, but sometimes it just makes me feel a little sad because, like, I want them to have that too, you know. Like, I want them to, like, find that way of life. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I definitely feel lucky that I had to be brought to my knees uh, because otherwise I would, I mean... It, was, it wasn't even comfortable living, you know? Like, it was just whatever. So, thank you. That's all I've got. Thanks for sharing. He gave us a special gift. Um, I look back at my life, and I had a bunch of people in my life, friends that, that hopped on the Mike Chase fun train for a while. You know, they, they drank like me. They, they, they behaved. They partied like me. They, they looked as alcoholic as I thought I was at the time. And then... Something happens in their life, a new relationship, a, 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 an order from the boss, an order from the wife, you know, a, a, a reality check. 
And they were able to just like say, Mike Chase, you know, you're fun to be with, but I, they used to hide from me. I'd walk down Hennepin Avenue and my friends would see me and they go, Ooh, and they duck into the doorways because they knew if they got hooked up with me that night, they weren't going home for a couple of days because they had experience of like hooking up and then we're just going for three or four days. And I, oh, I got I got a job interview. <laughs> Mike Chase hide, you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. So just because people drink abusively or drink really hard doesn't mean they're going to be alcoholics some mm. days. People who are successful a lot of very very a lot of successful non-alcoholic people. We're just trying to show how alcoholism sort of slowly grows into people's lives. That we all start out pretty good. And did I see your hand up there? Or were you just waving? Yeah. I, I like okay. the Mike Chase fun train. I want to ride that train. <laughs> it derailed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Tanisha recovered alcoholic. Hey Tanisha. Um, I have tremendous amount of gratitude for this program. Um, it's like, I'm the first generation to actually work this program in my family. So it, that, that being that beacon, you know, and um, educating and, you know, sharing, you know, to my family, to my friends, um, especially, you know, in this uh, moment that we're experiencing now where, you know, once again, my cousin jumps out of jail and, he wants to do a geographical, but wants to go straight to my mom's house, you know, grandma who has all the pills and stuff. And, and it's crazy. And I, I'm like, no, nah, you're not coming there. You're not going to disturb her peace. And, and I'm putting my foot down. And uh, like just a couple of days ago, we found out that he, he got caught trafficking, you know. Mm. And, and this is this is the ongoing mess, you know, that you know, is in my family, but there are some that's in the safe zone, you know, tucked away upstate New York, far, far away, you know, like in legend, you know, <laughs> the safe zone, you know, and they made something of their lives, but they still don't understand, you know, and here I am, you know, the sober one of the family and my big sister following me, you know, just because she sees my walk and the change in my life. And and it's just amazing because they, they know they have firsthand experience, front row seats, close their doors on me. Yeah. Like, no, you're not coming here, you know, and, and to actually be welcomed. You know, my mom, she, after three and a half years, I got a key to my mom's house. Hello. You know, that's big. That is big for me. There were times where she wouldn't let me in. She never gave me a key. She, she didn't replace the key that I lost, you know, <laughs> that part, you know, because I wasn't a responsible adult. I wasn't a good mother, or a good, a good daughter, you know, and um, to be the person that I am today and to be able to hold my head up high and be transparent with my fellows and to sponsor. Oh, man, sponsoring. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite parts in my sobriety, you know, was bringing in the H&Is when I was only six months sober at my own treatment center that I didn't even complete the program at. Ooh. Yeah. I left 23 days in. Not, that, that's, that is not a suggestion. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. Stay. You know, complete your program. But seriously, you know, I, I ran to the rooms of AA, and I, w I said, I'm willing to do whatever you guys tell me to do. 
because from the therapist to other staff members that I came in contact with at that treatment center, they always said that they have a home group and they do service and they sponsor. And it's amazing because, you know, you got to buy the whole package, as Bob D says. You got to buy the whole package. You can't just pick from it. And when you, you really, you know, you do the deal, you get the results. So thank you for Absolutely. letting me share. You know, if, if Bill was alive today, I think he probably would have been reported by uh, Human Resources to go to meetings many pages ago. When I was drinking in the 60s, sorry, drinking in the 70s and 80s, it was commonplace for three martini lunches. It was commonplace for parents to buy the keg for the high school kids to have a, you know, for my parents or anyone to notice, hey, Mike Chase, you seem to be drinking a lot, looking like a drunk. It was commonplace. I really took a while before people took notice that mm, he might be drinking and staying up too much. You know? so <laughs> we're going to start wrapping up the meeting. We're going to uh, actually wrap up the meeting. Next week, we're going to see, we're, next week, we're going to see Bill's uh, slide into full-blown alcoholism tick in. So we're going to start closing up a little bit. If you didn't get a chance to share and do want to share, grab somebody after the meeting. Let's start closing this thing up. We got a vision for you. This reading is from a vision for you. Page 164. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation, what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but you obviously cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. It is the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for group member sponsors to introduce their new sponsees by presenting them with a sponsorship medallion. Do we so have any? So, if you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and you have a new sponsee that you want to introduce the family of Alcoholics Anonymous, come on up. We'll give you a medallion so you can get to know these folks. Anybody tonight? We'll do it next week. If you'd like to become a oh, is there anyone who needs a sponsor? Anyone flying sponsorless? I think they ran out the door at 8.15, one hour. We're get we got to get, we gotta get if a you'd like to become a member of this group, If you'd like to become a member of this group, please join us after the meeting to fill out a membership card. Can all home group members please raise your hands? Aha, we'll see you guys right after the meeting to help tear down the room. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hope to see you next week. By the way, Robert will be up here next week. Look forward to that. If you are a smoker... Please wait 75 feet from the front door. But if you're a vapor and you're going to stick around and help us, we'll let you go out the balcony and have a vape out there if you like. Don't forget this Thursday is our Alcoholics in God Step Series downstairs in the big room. That starts at 7.15. Service starts at 5.30. Fellowship around 6.15. Pat's on his sixth session. Come and join us. Check you out for that. Um, anything else you want to throw out there? Pat's going to be doing it to wrap up this step series. And after that, we got Doc H coming in January. I'm January psyched about that. So it's just, that. it's just a whole lot of awesome from now and on Thursday nights from now until like March. Just wow. So I mentioned earlier that uh, Rob. Rob and his family are off to the hospital with their little kid with the high fever. Mm -hmm. So let's take another moment before the, our father and just ask God to keep a special hold over that family tonight along with everyone else. Who will bring us from shame to grace? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
guys Thursday. Gaspeed, drive safe. Let's get this triple play so we can go out and enjoy life. Heart is heavy. My soul is thirsty. Body's aching. I am desperately in need of restoration.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Time in my life 
are green now, growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time. That's out my door. Never before. I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Cause this broken man I traveled far and wide through the great divide through his own heart, yeah. Just about to start. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. Nothing could come The fog is lifted, see the light Count my blessings when I go to sleep at night And I dream now years old that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Just won't set me free. Well, clap your hands if you believe me, children. 